0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns
1: And good afternoon and you're very welcome along to Friday's Late Lunch Barbara Scully here with you once again but your beloved Jerry will be back in the hot seat here on Monday just browsing through the papers a little bit earlier and saw an interview with Anna Mae McHugh, described as the matriarch of the ploughing championships. And isn't she seriously some woman? 89 years of age and the MD of the Ploughing Association for 50 years. She's overseen the growth and development of the ploughing into the mega event that it is today. She was quoted in the newspaper saying that it was wonderful to see women farmers finally get recognition for their work on the farm. And she said that they tend to the detail. Um, she also talked about when she began her career, she wouldn't have had much respect because she was a woman, but she said now women are well respected, which is wonderful. So that's good news. Uh, she rem- she was remembering as well that when she started with the ploughing, that it was only her and her assistant who was also a woman. They were the only two women at the event. Can you imagine that? She's a fabulous role model, not just for women, but particularly for older women. 89 years old and still bossing it. Good on you, Anna May. Anyway, we have got a great and a busy show for you today so let's crack on but as usual we'd love to hear from you you can comment on any of the items or indeed anything else that, that's on your mind by sending us a text or a WhatsApp to the usual number which is 086 1 658 now Down to business. Right, my first guest was one of Ireland's most popular and arguably funniest comedians. He was riding the crest of a popularity wave with a radio show and an upcoming TV show when it all fell apart. A disaster, he says himself, which was entirely of his own making. After six years, I think it was six years in the wilderness, he has rebuilt his life and he is now rebuilding his career with a series of shows. And I can tell you, I have seen some of of that show and he hasn't lost his funny at all. Al Porter, you're very welcome to late
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. And listen,
1: thank you for coming on. I really, I really appreciate it. Let's start where we have to start by addressing the elephant. The elephant in the room. Um, Yeah. You were accused of sexual misconduct and sexual assault. The assault charges were subsequently dropped, but an investigation did find that you were inappropriately sexual in some of your dealings with people who came into your orbit. And your life changed. Everything, as I say, fell apart uh, and all of your work was cancelled. Can you paint us a picture of that, Al? Who you were at that
2: time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... the thing is is that i look back on that time and you know you're conscious of not saying oh that was such a different person because it's you you know But you do you do look back at yourself then and obviously when everything fell apart was when i was 24 when i was in 2017 and also people were kind of not necessarily talking about me at that exact moment but even when i was 19 20 21 So as a 30-year-old and somebody who has done a lot of listening and a lot of learning and a lot of therapy and a lot of, uh, you know, I've had a long time to look back on that time. You do have a bit of distance from it where you do have a perspective where you can look at yourself and say, I suppose the person that I was then, I was very immature, very very arrogant, very kind of uh, inconsiderate. and." And lacking self awareness is probably one of the the biggest things. Is I just was, um, as you say, on the crest of a wave and and enjoying uh, great success. But I think I didn't I didn't have the maturity to deal with that. And I think in in how I uh, interacted with people, I wasn't a good enough friend and I wasn't a good enough colleague. And I and I let a lot of people down. Um, and and really, that does boil down ultimately to yeah, an immaturity and an insensitivity and an inconsiderateness. And and you know, it's a great shame. I, I really, you you know, I really think that I let so many people down without even realizing it. You know, I was kind of oblivious. Mm. That, that you know, I was oblivious to the idea that I was upsetting anybody or that they or that I was being obnoxious. You know, I thought. I'm so funny. Everybody's enjoying my company and, mm. and I'm only having a laugh. At, and obviously, you have this perspective of yourself as being, um, how would you say it? You have this idea of yourself as, you know, well, I'm a good guy. Like, I have no bad intentions. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose something I've learned over the years is we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge uh, other people by their actions. Yeah. yeah. And often, and often there's a there's a bit of a, a chasm of difference there between you thinking to yourself, well, you know, I'm well intentioned and mm-hmm. I'm only I'm only having fun, and everybody knows that I'm just having fun, and other people looking at what you've said or your actions and saying, well, actually, no, uh, I don't think that's funny, and I think you need to check yourself there. I mean, I suppose the most important thing is that people, I think, rightly called me out and said listen, if you're going to be getting these kind of opportunities mm. and you're going to be a public figure and all the responsibility that goes with that, mm. like, you know, you need to be, you need to be a better person here. You need to be a more responsible person. And they were right. They were right mm. to expect better of me. And, and without sounding, uh, I suppose, without sounding happy about any of this, because it's not, none of it is for anybody involved a good thing. Mm. But. You know, I am at a point in my life now where I think, God, I'm glad that something happened then, you know, that did put a stop to a kind of runaway train. train. Yeah, 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 I'm glad. In a way, I'm kind of going, God, thank God. You know, even if I don't end up with... Like, I'm not expecting to be on television or radio or anything like that, or even if you don't end up with a, a big career or anything. Thank God something kind of made me check myself and go, hold on a minute here. Mm. You know, am I actually living up to the best kind of person I could be? And, and, and that that happened when I was 24, because like the whole rest of my life now yeah. to hopefully be mature and be a good colleague and be a good friend and be self-aware and be kinder.
1: And I know you've said yourself that none of these things are excuses, but you did seem to find fame very quickly. Like your rise was kind of fairly meteoric. Like, you know, you were you were a comedian and suddenly you were everywhere. Um, and also you were young. Um, but you've also talked about the amount of drink and drugs that you were doing as well, which probably, you know, it, it doesn't excuse it, but it gives us a context in which to in which to, to know what happened. I, I read somewhere that even um, Gabo, father, grandfather of the nation at the yeah. time, even even expressed a bit of concern to you about your your drinking. Did he?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Gay came back after a gig and said, "Listen, Al, you know, uh, I think you're going to need to look at that." And I think he was he was right. You know, uh, listen, I had a lot of good advice around me at the time. Mm. You know, a lot of people saying you don't need to do every gig, and you do need to be careful that you know. Not everybody is your is your best friend, you know. Mm. You can't be acting, and you, and not every gig is a party, mm. you know. I I think what the way I was living my life, as you say, it was kind of I dropped out of college at nineteen, and before I knew it, at twenty one, I was the youngest comedian to headline Vickers Street, right? And and suddenly I was on the Late Late Show, and a bit of that is maybe I was funny and maybe there was a bit of talent also maybe a bit of it is timing it was around the time of the gay marriage referendum and Mm. you wondered that maybe people were going oh my god here's a young outrageous gay comedian to kind of prop prop up during this Mm. you know conversation Um, and I think there was a bit of a a delusion there of uh, everything is all fun and games Mm. you know so I was drinking at gigs and I was drinking uh, and and partying until all hours, and and definitely treating everybody like sure you all know me. I'm just Al from you know you know as if you would act. You know how we all act yeah. a bit differently with our own family and close friends,
1: and acting but, like everybody's at the same party that you are, except probably they well, possibly exactly. weren't.
2: <laughs> well, well, no, well, exactly. And so then you're leaving the room, going that was great. Great, fun. Crack. and people are going. He's off his rocker. Yeah, you know, like this fella is absolutely out of mad, control. You know? Yeah, out of control. And and I didn't really, I didn't have a grasp on that or realize it. And, and we should like mention a,
1: again that the the charges were dropped and and the investigation was was you know of some inappropriate sexual behaviour. So I think we need to be clear about that. Do you find it hard to do media stuff now when you have to start by by addressing this?
2: Well, I accept it as part of the, you know, I've always said to people, it's not for me to determine what consequences there should be Mm. to my stupidity when I was younger. And and that's why I have said to people the last interview I did with Miriam, where I say, the book stops with me and I'm responsible to my own path. And and, uh, no, I expect it. It isn't easy. Mm. Like, it isn't easy to begin like this, especially when in the back of your head you're going, Jesus How is anybody ever going to come to my show?' They'd probably be going, I don't want to go.: <laughs> Your here man's and talk not that funny that. actually. <laughs> and he's not that funny, really. And I understand that. So part of you thinks that. but I also go, look, it's good to get it out of the way and show that I'm, I'm, I'm accepting of that. Yeah. And, and that that's, that's part of the thing, and, and it's not up to me how long. People do or don't want to ask me about that, and I'll try and be as open as possible.
1: And in fairness, you do. I've seen some of your your new work, and and in fairness, you do address it. Now, I want to move on because you are funny, and I don't want to waste all your funny. Like
2: <laughs> no, 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 you're, no, so, no. But it's important. You're dead right. Yeah. I mean, because people could be listening, going, "Your man Al Porter is he not? You know, where has he been?" Or yeah. you, know, you don't want to ignore it. You know, um, and and now I suppose in the show, as you say, when I do look at it. You're more looking at where you can uh, make fun of yourself, yeah, and and kind of you know I have a bit of distance from it now. Where I go, that time in my life was mad, like, and even TV Three was the, sh- the the station that I was on. And yeah. I joked that the the scandal was so bad that three weeks after I was in the newspapers, they changed the name of the <laughs> station <And> to the <laughs> furthest thing they could get from Al Porter, and they became Virgin Media. <laughs> going no oh, no we don't
1: know him we're all virgins in here you know and- Listen, speaking of virgins i know you, you've a new you've well I, I knew it like since the last time we knew you possibly partner in your life and he's a posh fella
2: Oh yeah, yeah. No, we're we're seven years together now. So when he met me, I was on TV and radio, and he's going, "I'm on to a good one here." And then it was just six years of hell. <laughs> six years of hell, and I going, "Oh yeah, sorry about that." But obviously, he likes me because the two of us have been able to. Uh, my watch just started talking to me there. I don't know if you heard that in the background. But um, uh, yeah, so I mean, listen, he is he is posh. Well, his parents are posh. He's. He's from Donnybrook. The two of us live with our parents. I remember during um, during the pandemic, I was in his house. Like, his house is gorgeous. <laughs> it's name. Donnybrook. No, but honestly, like, honestly, it's one of these big houses in Donnybrook. And they, like, we don't have a dishwasher in Tallinn. I'm not trying to play the poor <laughs> man, but they have this dishwasher. Her name is Maria and she comes in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> oh no, my mask, <master>, sorry. <laughs> but, but like, they have this gorgeous big house and my mom rang me during the pandemic and said, uh, Al, you know, I'm just watching the news here. I think if you don't make it home to us in Tala now... You're going to end up stuck out in Donnybrook <laughs> and I was going, "Oh, sorry, you're breaking up there, ma'am." Marooned in Donibro. Signal, it's a very bad signal here in the dining hall, you know.
1: And, Al, uh, can you can you stay with us? I have to take a break, unfortunately, but oh, can sorry, you stay okay, with yeah. us on the line? And I'll just take a quick break, and we'll we'll continue. I want no. to hear more about Edinburgh and all that. <laughs> stay with us. Just take a quick break, and you're welcome back. This is Barbara Scully, and I am talking to Al Porter. Al, what is this about living on a tucked island?
2: Oh yeah, Barbara. I don't know. That's that's where I've moved. That's where I'm <laughs> speaking
1: to you from, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Well actually no, at the moment I'm in Tala I was down to uh do some work on the Olympia Panto script. Right. So I was writing the script uh there with their star Ryan Andrews. But yeah, most of the year I've spent on an island off of Donegal and uh I mean listen, rent is mad in Dublin. Yeah listen, you can afford your rent there and it's a beautiful place. So it's where I used to go to the Talk, um when I was in school. Yeah. And... And I knew everybody there. And to be honest, some of my friends were going, is that the furthest you had to go until nobody knew you? But, you know, arrive and they go, who are you? And go, you've never seen blind date. No, you've definitely not. Okay. And you've no internet connection. No. Okay, great. I'll stay here. here." (laughs) Yeah. But no, I mean, a lot of my neighbors up there knew me when I was a teenager. And, Mm. and, and, And there was a sense of going back to somewhere where you could just be yourself and where anything good or bad whether it was from winning IFTAs or to being on the front of the Sunday World it didn't matter it was all about who you are now you know and and it's a nice place to live, as I say. People call me Alan Sheila Byrne up there because they, <laughs> they, they kind of call you off the basis of your cottage. Oh, so, see, right, okay. So you can get a nickname very easily up there. Like, there's a woman called Rose, and I've, spe- I've spoken to Rose so many times, and Rose has been to the United Nations. Rose has travelled the world, but she's called Rose the Goat. <laughs> because she got a goat last year and so she's called Rose the Goat. Like, Rose the Goat, so, Rose on Gower. So, so the cottage that I used to be in was Sheila Burns cottage. So I'm Alan Sheila Burns. Excellent, so I love that. If I, if I do nothing to change that name, that would be great. That would suit you. Um,
1: now listen, I want to ask you something else because you also mentioned, and I have a personal interest in this, that you're touring in Australia in the New Year. Is that right? Yeah. yeah what cities thought- are you hitting? I have a reason for asking you this.
2: Oh, actually, that's a good question. It's it's Sydney and then Melbourne, I think, where they have the festivals. Yeah.
1: Ah, you're not going to Perth then? Oh, I don't know. My daughter, be gutted. Start. My daughter lives in Perth and I was just going to say to her, you got to go see Al Porter if, if he's arrived. Do you like it? Uh, oh, she, she, look, she's there 12 years. I don't know whether it's she likes it or she doesn't like me, but she's not coming home.
2: <laughs> uh, I love, I mean, I have so many friends who go, would you not think about getting a trade? You could always move to Australia. Yeah. Would you not get a trade? I go, would you not just let me try and do the stand-up thing again? <laughs> you know, like... My friend's daughter said to me, even, like, you know, are you back on the telly? And I said no, and she was going, you could always move to Australia. And I go, where did you hear that? (laughs) Because you're only 10 years old, so where did you hear... The suggestion that I need to emigrate to Australia. So maybe I'll join your daughter in Perth at some stage. Very but, expensive uh, to
1: live there. Very expensive rents and, and property oh as well. Really? There, That's the only thing I'm going to warn you about. We tend to think all the faraway hills are green. They're not all that green. I'm, now, listen, well, before, yeah. before we run out of time altogether, you are also bringing your show, which is called...
2: Oh, Al Porter Now. now. It's called Now. Yeah. yeah. And you're bringing that to Drauda. Yes, actually, we're going to the uh, the TLT. Yeah. Um, so I'll turn it into the LG TLT that night. <laughs> uh, or, or your man, actually, because it's called the TLT after Tommy Leddy, obviously. But uh, it's Porrick that kind of runs it or Patrick that runs it. So I was saying if they change it to the PLT, it would sound like a a course that you did after you're leaving, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do do a PLT course now. (laughs) And it's a great theatre. If anybody's listening, if they've never been, it's a brilliant theatre. It kind of, uh, it doesn't have all those things that, you know, it doesn't get bogged down with red seats and velvet this. And, you know, it kind of looks like an abattoir on the inside. (laughs) And... It's in the middle of an industrial estate <laughs> and it's as glamorous as it gets, the Uh So, no, I'm going to the TLT on, in December and also because um, you have meads here as well. This is a mead. So, like, I'm, I'm doing Ratwood. Oh, right, probably, okay. Yeah, which is probably uh, a good one. this mean, is rat
1: you're doing? I think no, Ratwood's... No, I,
2: Is Rathwood, does that not catch that kind of area? Don't think so. I think that's
1: Carlo, is it? But no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm a bit of a blow in. I know that we have a load of
2: Mead uh, uh, kids in the panto. And, you know, and their parents, if any of their parents are listening, I'm not saying that if you came up and talked to me after one of my gigs, you know, if you were saying, Al, I actually bought a ticket, my kids in the panto. I'm not saying that that would get them a speaking part, but it would help. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: listen, Al, I really appreciate you coming on to talk to me today. I've enjoyed that immensely. I'll definitely be at one of your next shows, which I will look up. But unfortunately, we've run out of time and I have to go to the news desk. Thanks a million, Al Porter. Now, if you have been listening during this week, you'll know I love a positive story and I also love to hear about actions which will help us to heal the planet and restore biodiversity. One such project is called Wild About Navin, which has been described as an urban nature conservation project to protect, explore, improve, share and learn from the diverse the diverse environment and natural habitats that surround Navon. So who are the people behind this initiative and what do they do? Well, to tell us more, I'm joined on the phone now by Tina Lynch. Hi, Tina.
3: Hi there. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on.
1: Not at all. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Now, tell us a little bit. Who are the people behind Wild About Navon?
3: Well, basically, we are all... Just a bunch of volunteers, Uh, we all live in that and we come from very different backgrounds and what really brought us together initially is that we care about our town and we know that we have fantastic green areas, we have the rivers Boyne and Blackwater, we have beautiful parks, estate greens and green areas through the town. And what we want to do is we want we wanted to initially learn what is out there, what's living among us and around us and what can we do to protect and enhance it I love that. and educate others about it as well.
1: I love that. Um, I think that's amazing because I think we really do have to live side by side with nature and we have a duty to protect particularly the biodiversity and the wildlife so i know you have a number of projects uh, that you have underway so maybe we'll we'll talk about a few of those the one that i was really interested in was one called rain gardens what are rain gardens and what do they do to help us
3: um rain gardens when you look at one um if you for example google one or come on our website and they look like like any any type of planter where you can where you can plant um any native um, native plants and flowers but the difference between a rain garden planter and a normal planter is the rain garden planter has these pipe works going through it so what it does it actually utilizes the water that goes down a down pipe so you can ha- install them they can be any size they fit any building uh, as long as you have a down and the benefit of those is it actually, you know, when it rains really heavy, as mm-hmm. it often does, and you see the water running down the streets and that ends up in our waterworks, you know, and it flushes off all the pollution and, uh, and, and dirt directly into the waters. So what rain gardens do, they actually reduce the amount of runoff from our streets by utilising the rainwater. So the more rain gardens we can install, the better.
1: That that's such a simple, it's such a simple thing. But so what you're saying is that by, by taking the runoff water out of the combined water systems that we have here. So in other words, normal rainwater ends up going into the sewage system, and so if we've had a lot of rain, that can cause it then to overflow, which will lead to pollution in in the in the water. Am which I am I right? Am I understood?
3: That's that's absolutely it. That's what we see. Like you can see sometimes when it's raining really heavy. And the water is actually overflowing from the sewage. That's why it's it's going down the streets. So this is so something
1: anybody could do in their own home. It's just by placing a planter underneath a downpipe. Is it, or do you need a special piece of kit or something?
3: You need special piping that, but it's, it's very inexpensive. And we actually have a rain garden project, so we're we're putting a call out there to anyone who wants wants a rain garden and and wants to work with us on this project. Um, if you can find us find us online, you can visit our website wildaboutnavan.ie or just email us at wildaboutnavan@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear That's from you great. and we can see what we can come up with together.
1: That's a great idea. Now, the other thing which caught my eye, and again, I'd like to hear about it, is you're also involved in work that protects SWIFTS in particular. So why yes. do SWIFTS need protecting and how do you do that protection?
3: Swifts are birds, that, they are the acrobats of the sky, and they come over to Ireland, you see them around May, towards the end of May, and then they leave again in August. Now, in recent years, they've actually been declining in numbers, and the reason for that is because they're real towny birds, they live in the, the the kind of hollows of the old ruins and buildings, we have a lot of churches and... That's where they nest, and they return to the same nest site up to for up to twenty years. So it's not like they build a new nest every year. Yeah. Now, with our, when our, when we are fixing our our ruins and our homes and our houses, we actually demolishing their homes. So in order to basically, they are declining in numbers just for the lack of lack of lack of uh, habitat for them. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing is uh, we're installing, we've, we have some in buildings, in public buildings around Navin now, including schools and the Meath County Council building. Uh, we have SWIFT boxes that are specially designed for SWIFTs. Uh, we've had great help with SWIFT Conservation Island and um, and Birthwatch Island, the Meath branch, who helped us to physically put them up because they have to go quite high up. And uh, what we are hoping is that people in charge of building the new housing estates around Navan as well will take into consideration these pre-existing, they're like bricks, but with holes, suitable for Swift.
1: Ah right so, okay so to the Swift it just looks like the kind of place they normally nest. It's not like a wooden box that a Swift will go I don't know what that is so I'm not going to make a nest in I there. Think
3: it's, I think it's just a bird box. No Swifts uh, they, they they would literally go into the holes yeah. just under the, the ledge of the roof in buildings you know and since we're filling those up you know and insulating our homes yes. we're actually demolishing their homes.
1: Oh. So that's, that's a great, and I love the idea you're doing it in schools as well because then there's the whole education kind of aspect, you know, educating children on the need to look after the, the creatures that we share the planet with. Um, the other thing that that, that uh, caught my eye and that again I would, I'd love to hear more about is something called, which I don't know what they are, dispersed urban orchards. Can you explain that to us, Tina?
3: Yes, absolutely. So that's our DUO project and like you said, DUO stands for dispersed urban orchards. So uh, basically... What we've started doing already, we have a handful of housing estates, um, residential estates in Navan, and any housing estate is more than welcome to join in on the project. We're always looking for more connections. And we essentially give them this, we give the residents Association um, a selection of trees, native fruit trees and heritage apple trees, such as the Blood of the Boyne some of which are blooming now and already producing apples and in exchange for those trees all we ask for is the housing estate create part of their estate trees, which often you see a very sterile lawn which is no good for any life um, in in, in biodiversity like that they let it wild get a bit wilder and also that they would stop using pesticides you know because that kills everything in sites.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they so what you want is 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 housing estates where there are the green space because I think there was a rule wasn't there at one stage that for every so many houses there had to be a green area. And like you say, very often, residence associations, I may or may not be talking about my residence association, <laughs> insist on having this all neat and tidy and organized and the lawn mowed to within an inch of its life. Um, you want them to plant trees and let it go a little bit wilder, which is is much better for buyer. And then of course, they'll have loads of apples.
3: They will have lots of apples and it's beautiful. It it creates that kind of mini forested area, you know, that we can all enjoy. And also it supports all the pollinators. We all like flowers in our gardens, you know, but we're not going to have flowers in our gardens unless we take actions to actually help the pollinators and insects, you know. They all play a part. And also what we're hoping to do is really to change the way we view these, things that other people might call weeds and we might yes. call wildflowers, you know. Yeah. That's all part of nature. That's all part of our native nature. Yeah. And we should really celebrate that rather than trying to just be rid of it.
1: Tina, I wish you the best of luck because I think if, if you know, if with the work that you're doing, there is the potential for Navin to become the poster the poster town for biodiversity um, and for, you know, local groups getting involved and and really improving the environment and making it so much nicer to look at as well as everything else. So let's give let's give people your website again, because as you say, if there's anybody out there and I'm thinking as well, if there are other towns out there who want to set up a group like yours, I'm sure you'd be happy to give them help around that as well. So just give us the, the website again there, Tina, please.
3: Yes, so you can find us at wildaboutnavan.ie and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram or you can email us at wildaboutnavan at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you.
1: That's brilliant. Tina, listen, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really enjoyed our chat. The best of luck to you. We'll take a break. Thank
3: you very much for having me on. Thanks.
1: And you're welcome back to Late Lunch. Now, the mill in Drogheda opened its doors to startups in 2014 and it has since become the main hub for the creation and growth of new enterprises in South Louth, East Meath, and the wider Drogheda region. It currently houses close to 50 companies, ranging from startups and SMEs to emergent foreign direct investment, as well as providing various supports to businesses, including mentoring, hot desking, and affordable space. Over 500 companies have engaged with the Innovation Exchange to date, which is a multi-year programme that facilitates collaboration between Irish SMEs and large multinationals in order to boost innovation. And our man, Pat O'Shockensey, is down there to tell us more. How you doing, Pat?
4: Ah yes, Barbara, you're very welcome along here to Drogheda, to the Mill Enterprise Hub. I'm delighted to be here for, for what's called the Innovation Exchange. Uh, I was talking off air there to Ronan Whitty he's the CEO here and I'll be talking to him now again in a second just realised how old I am and how time has flown I was here and I thought literally it was a couple of months ago when we interviewed Heather Humphries but my goodness I'm after being informed that it was 18 months ago a lot has happened in that time one of the things that has happened is the Innovation Exchange Ronan Whitty you're very very welcome along tell me a little bit about what is a bit about the hub I suppose and then what is the Innovation Exchange well
5: first and foremost first and foremost Pat delighted to have you here Thanks and the team from LMFM it's a very exciting day here in The Mill um, I suppose starting first with what we do The Mill is a enterprise hub here so we help startup up and scaling businesses to grow their businesses here from you know single person businesses, people who are hot desking and that uh, to companies small businesses here we provide offices here for them to help grow we provide uh, mentoring we have events we have networking here as well so we often find that someone comes in they might be a website um developer, but they need accounting services or digital marketing service. We provide all those under one shop so it's it can be a lonely business setting up a, a lonely road setting up a business and you know having a supportive
4: ecosystem here is really one of the key things we provide as well. Because it's such a huge step for an SME to, to, to make that step from sitting in the back office, sitting in the bedroom, sitting at home, sitting in a colleague's house, to going into an office space that they might not be familiar with. You bring all that added bonus when they come in here.
5: Yeah, exactly. Like we, we find that, you know, particularly those who are hot desking, uh, they might even have a, a nice setup at home, but they find it very lonely, you know, it, those those coffee those uh water cooler moments and that that they have here and also the other thing we find is that people although they might have a, a setup at home for a business meeting if you have a client coming into you it's not the right environment or, or separating work from home or if you want to kind of have that peace and quiet away from home and just be solely focused on your role and then go home and be able to switch off and differ- differentiate between work and home people
4: find it good for those reasons I think the last time that I was here when I did speak to some of the people who were working here and have gone on to greater and bigger things, that was the one thing that they absolutely loved. They came into what they felt was a full professional working environment. Mm -hmm. They left home behind... They felt like they were in the workforce. They felt like their business was going somewhere because of that network and because of that press in the flesh. That's very, very important in the early days.
5: Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it's as I said, it can be a, a lonely, uh, you know, venture when you're starting out at the start. And you know, people are experts in one particular area, but they nobody's an expert on everything. Mm. And that's where the community piece comes in. There, um, you know, they, they could be an expert on a piece of technology, but you know, mightn't be an expert on strategy. And where the innovation exchange is really really powerful and uh, a fantastic initiative by Skillnet is that it connects SMEs with corporates. Sometimes SMEs um, don't understand the the sales cycle. They think, you know, I can get into this corporate and get in quite quickly. And the reality is it's a much longer sales cycle than they expect. So where the innovation exchange comes in is that we work with corporates, large corporates like the likes of Ryanair and Microsoft and, and so on. And where they're
4: looking for track records w- and and capability
5: exactly and we engage with them and we find out what their challenges are and from those challenges we we then create a challenge for SMEs because they're looking to meet the best talent and this is an exchange platform where we connect them with the best SMEs
4: have you I'm sure you had looking at some of the people who have gone through that, but have you ever felt, oh, this is a eureka moment. I like what I'm seeing here and you know that the business is going to go somewhere.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, um I, I do always say, though, it's the people rather than the idea. You know, you can fix you can fix the idea, you know, you can pivot away on that, but it's the people. If you, you, you just meet certain people, and you said.
4: These these people have got it. It's the old saying, to, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. You know, exactly. There's a bit of that, isn't there? Exactly. So it's an exciting day for you. At the end of the day, yeah. when you have the minister coming here and you have all these people coming together, you know, to, to share ideas, and they feel very important when when you have a ministerial visit.
5: They do, it's, and I have to say, it's an important and it's an exciting day for the North Um you know there's so many SMEs here in the northeast, and you know it's not just about Drogheda, this is about Loud, Mead, Cavan, Monaghan, Kildare, all those regions we'll be representing here with the mill. So it's, a, it's an exciting uh, time for the region.
4: And just before I let you get back to your guests, if people out there in the northeast want to know a bit mm-hmm. about the innovation exchange or want to come down to the hub and get involved, how do they do that?
5: So, in relation to innovation exchange, you can go onto our website at uh, the milldrogheda.ie, or if you wish to contact us, you can contact us by email at the the mill at the innovationexchange.ie or just give us a call. Uh, we'll be delighted to Come chat in to you. in and press the flesh.
4: Uh, exactly. Ronan Whitty, CEO, I wish you a good day ahead of you. Uh, it's The Innovation Exchange at The Mill Enterprise here. It's at The Hub in Drogheda. We'll be back to you for more of the same um, in a little while, Barbara. But for now, we say bye-bye. Sinead Moriarty. Hiya, Sinead.
1: Hi, Barbara. I
6: love the introduction. Thank
1: you. <laughs> well deserved, my dear. Well deserved. You are indeed one of our most successful and uh, most popular writers. Uh, and thanks a million for taking the call today. Now, I lost count. I was trying to work it out last night. You have written and published, is it 15 or 16 books at this stage?
6: 19. At, oh, this, at
1: this stage, yeah. 19, <laughs> yeah. right. See what happens. COVID and everything goes down. I I thought, I know. I, that's <laughs> fantastic. But, um, and, and, but in the last the last few books that you've done, um, and including this new one, are different because they are for a younger audience.
6: Yeah, so my new book that's out at the moment, Finding Hope, is kind of about climate anxiety. So about, I'd say five years ago, I, I've always wanted to write for children, but it had to be, for me, it had to be the right idea, the right team. Mm. Um, and so I was kind of watching the Syrian refugee crisis on the news, and my kids were much younger then. They were asking questions, and I just thought, okay, you know, this is something I think I can write a children's book about. So that was my first book, The New Girl. Mm. Then I wrote about homelessness in the second children's book, The Truth About Riley. Now, these are for kids from 8 to 13, so we're talking about sort of late primary school.
2: Mm.
6: And then Finding Hope, when I was going around the schools, you know, talking about writing in the other books, I kind of would say to kids, you know, what's on your mind? What, What do you think would be a good thing to read about? Climate change, climate anxiety, climate mess came up a lot. So that is why I decided to write Finding Hope, which is, you know, it's kind of a pun, but the character's name is Hope. But it's also about finding hope for the climate. Mm. Um, I I think the key with kids is you have to write like a fun, interesting story and then, you know, Plant information within that kind of engaging story, so that they can walk a mile in somebody else's shoes.
1: Yeah, that that's 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 quite a different skill, I would imagine, than writing um, a, a novel for adults. And I know a lot of your novels, the ones I've read, certainly relationships and family dynamics and couples mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff feature quite heavily. But writing for children is it is it very different
6: process? It's different, but like all my adult books have um, children characters. Like I love writing kids. Um, and I love writing about families. And all my kids' books really are about families as well. Um, and in Hope's case, in Finding Hope, Hope's mum has died. And there's a big void in her life. And her twin sisters are older, kind of have each other. And then her dad starts dating again. And she feels that her mum is being forgotten. She feels very alone. And so she becomes obsessed with climate change to fill the void in her life. And so, again, it's also about it's about climate change, it's about climate anxiety. But it's also about, you know, family and love and loss and how, Losing somebody can, you know, everyone grieves differently. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily bring you together. Can everyone can be kind of isolated in their grief?
1: Yeah, um, and and from you mentioned there that that writing these young adult books bring right since you wrote the first one, you're you're in contact if you like, and I know I've seen on your social media you're in schools and that kind of stuff mm. and talking to young people, and specifically on climate crisis and biodiversity crisis, are our children angry about that or are they worried about that or is it just something that because of Greta Thunberg that they kind of understand in a way that they mightn't understand mainstream polit- politics or current affairs
6: I think um all of the above i think they're angry that we made such a mess mm. and the day and i have to clean it up i think that you know it's going to it's a very difficult to try and reverse the mess we've made i think they are anxious because they can actually see i mean after the summer we have had it, yeah Kids are living through, you know, the, the serious repercussions of climate, and there, you know, there is anxiety there. And I think Greta Thunberg, I think, is yes, she's all about climate, but she's just she's also a role model for kids. Like if she yeah. shows the kids that one person can make a difference. Because children often feel helpless, and there's a lot of catastrophizing on tiktok and social media yeah. about climate and it's very important for us i suppose as adults and teachers and whoever else is to have these conversations with them and go look these are the facts yeah. But this is what you can do and one person can make a difference and you know organize a little local park cleanup or beach or whatever it might be yeah that you can actually do something and i think it's really important for kids uh, to feel empowered so they're not overwhelmed
1: and to find hope boom boom (laughs)
6: boom boom exactly
1: what are you what are you working on now Sinead are you working on another young adult or are you working on uh, one of your adult novels
6: so both actually so god good woman um, an adult novel and then one of the other um, issues that came up when I was talking to kids was divorce and separation and so I'm working on a kids book about that Um, because you know I think families are very different now and um, a lot of blended families divorced families separated families and it is kind of an issue for kids, certainly. So, sort of, you know, if you think eight, nine, ten, it's very confusing, and um, so that's something that I wanted to address. So that's what the next book is going to be about uh, as well when
1: it gets written. <laughs> Excellent. Well, on that topic, and I know, like many people, myself included, until until I wrote a book, you kind people kind of have this idea that oh, it's a lovely job, really. You just sit down, you just write out your book, and, and it's lovely. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, I yeah. and I I found it to be like much harder than I thought. But as somebody who's a, who's published nineteen books, does it get easier? Do you find it easier now no. than you did when you started?
6: No. Oh I think it God. Actually, I think it I'm sorry to say I think it's it oh, harder. Oh, does it I mean I still I still love it, but I think you put like if you know, if you want longevity you obviously have to push yourself. So I like, I always wanted to have longevity in this career. So like I really push myself with each book, I try and make it better. Um and, you know, try and come up with better ideas, better themes, better characters, better plots up lots so I think for that reason it, it can be harder but it doesn't take away from the good days the good days are still great days um and I'm you know I think also for me I needed to shake things up that's why I decided to start writing for kids as well I mean, it's such a joyful space like I'm loving doing both it's it's it's, it's really lovely I'm really really enjoying it and so it's actually been a really real kind of boost yeah. of energy
1: but it is a real job you have to sit down at your desk every day and you have to mm. put the words on the page
6: yeah, like it's like anything, you have yeah. to be disciplined and you have to put in the time. I'm very protective of my writing time. And Lady Smith always said, you know, you have to almost be selfish about your writing time. And I think that's really important because then there's nothing else I want to do. I don't want to do anything else but sit at my desk and write. And I'm sorry, I don't say I, don't, I, don't really, I sit there every day and create. I'm going to look out the window for hours, but I kind of make myself sit there and just be in this place I'm supposed to be, and eventually something will come.
1: Excellent. And have you notebooks everywhere?
6: Uh, I have notes on my phone and then I little scraps of paper. I often write
1: in the back of like shopping
6: receipts. Do you? (laughs) With (laughs) eyeliners. It's very professional.
1: (laughs) And I have, I have notebooks everywhere but the problem is I have so many of them I can never remember what note is where. So I write these notes in notebooks and then I don't know which notebook because I have about 10 of them around the house and I never know what notebook is where which isn't much use. Now listen, can I ask you something else with your other hat on because I know you're a book ambassador for Eason's along with um, Mr. Ricochet and Uh, And I know you have recently uh, done your autumn book recommendations for Eason's, which is, as usual, an eclectic and varied mix. One of the books that jumped out at me, though, and I wanted to ask you about is um, you recommended... Stephen Bartlett's book The Diary of a CEO now those of you the name mightn't be familiar Stephen Bartlett is uh, he's an entrepreneur and a very successful very young guy but he's also one of the dragons he he joined Dragon's Den the UK Dragon's Den um, about two years ago a very charismatic character um, so tell me about his book did you really love it I was kind of surprised
6: Yeah well I I, I like the podcast he has a podcast called Diary of a CEO and he, he interviews people across all you know from business to the arts to you know people who uh, are involved in like the, the beauty industry like everything so I, yeah. I, I find I like his podcast I was kind of wondering of what's like what's the book going to be like but what's interesting is the book is yes about his experience but as you said he is quite young so also the book is about things that he's learned from talking to these experts in all fields from all over the world I think that's kind of what makes it really interesting um so it's 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 his experience but also the experience of many many experts and he writes, like, he talks and he writes in a very accessible way. So it's not like heavy, heavy-handed business. Yeah. You know, you're not reading my financial reports. You're kind of reading about... It's kind it's of advice
1: very, for life, really, isn't it? Because I know I've listened yeah. to a few of his podcasts and he's very interested in kind of people's advice for living and for, for living your best life, to use that and awful help. expression. And health. And
6: well-being, yeah. So it's, it, well, he just kind of makes a point that if you're not healthy, you can't be successful. So... Yeah. You know, you do have to look after yourself from that point of view. And I suppose, you know, he's like a as you say, young modern entrepreneur and he's just talking about how he did it. And, you know, his kind of area of expertise is kind of marketing and sales. And it's just really interesting what, like, what works, you mm. know, in, in the digital age. Mm. So from that point of view, I find it really interesting. Um, and also, as you say, yeah, like he does. He's very much about health and well-being. But again, he kind of came to that Later on in his business career, he kind of realized, well, actually, you know, I'm not feeling great. I Like, I can't, you know, fire in all cylinders. So his point is your health should actually be your number one priority. Right, right. Which is kind of, which is kind of interesting. Mm. But it's, it's good. And as I say, you can dip it in and out. It's not like, it's not heavy handed. It's not super um spiel. Yeah. Very accessible. And a uh, couple of really good nuggets.
1: Excellent, excellent, excellent. Listen, Sinead, thank you very much. Let's. Uh, your book again is called Finding Hope and it was just published a couple of weeks ago, so it's in all good bookshops now. All oh, good bookshops.
6: And actually, just to say, there's yeah. a teacher resource guide that, that we have done to go with it if teachers want to do it as a class novel. It's oh. a great one to just get kids talking about climate and all that, yeah.
1: And it's Irish, which I love as well, you know. um. So yeah, that's, please that's buy Irish. Yeah. Please buy Irish. That's very important. And support your local bookshop. That book will be in all your local bookshops now. Sinead, thanks very much for joining thanks us so today much, Thank Okay, you. Thanks a lot, we we'll take a break right.
4: Hi Barbara, you're very welcome back here to the Hub and I'm having a ball at the mill I have to say really enjoying and getting into the buzz of things as is everybody here in anticipation of the Minister arriving very, very shortly Head of Channel Partnerships at the Innovation Exchange is Sinead O'Reardon and it's a title that I've never actually heard before so I want to find out all about what that is and, and you're very fine. welcome along Sinead delighted to be here thanks for having me so i mean tell us about some of the type of companies that innovation exchange has has worked with and what it's about
7: so in terms of corporates we have a real mix of corporates a lot of them are irish indigenous companies the likes of icon musgraves um glanbia um on the sme side we have some very transformative solution providers um tech enable is a great example of that um you know, and we'll be talking to Ashley later on about that, but certainly the types of companies uh, on the SME side they would be uh, solution providers in the digital transformation space. Um, it would be anything from RPA, Robotic Process Automation, to CX, providing uh, corporates with kind of increased levels of customer experience as a result of the technology. So, really, it's about enhancing that digital transformation journey for corporates
4: and where SMEs are taking baby steps and the big step is always filled with trepidation where am I going next that's really where you step in in that introduction to the next big corporate world
7: exactly that yeah so what we do is we work with corporates and what we will try and identify their challenges um, and then we will look at the SMEs and see what solution providers are there to be able to meet the challenge, you know, that the corporate has. It really benefits the SMEs because they find it very difficult to get in front of a decision maker in a corporate. Um, And here they are, they're on a call with senior people, decision makers in organizations. Um, So that's a huge benefit to the SME. Also, you know, What they can do is um, they will be able to, I suppose, you know, have have an additional pipeline as a result of their engagement with the innovation exchange. Um, And that procurement process that you see in corporates, that also can be quite unwieldy. And as you said there, they may not be used to navigating that procurement process. So we will support them through that.
4: And... On that introduction, they know how to tailor the specific needs of their business for a fit into a corporate, which is something that may have overlooked before.
7: Exactly that. What this really is, as part of the Innovation Exchange uh, uh, framework, you know, it's a curated service offering for corporates. So we will work with both the SMEs and the corporates to get that perfect match. So the corporates get you know, some really transformative solutions to meet, you know, their needs. And then the SME gets the opportunity to be able to bring their solution to a corporate and get some really high profile uh, clients um, in their pipeline.
4: I believe there's a a six step process on, on how you can avail of this. How is that done?
7: That's correct. Yeah. So what, Happens first is we work with the corporate again, identify their challenge. We set up a webinar, and what you'll have is you'll have the decision makers in the you know from the corporate on that webinar. Also, we invite all the SMEs, and the SMEs will determine based on the corporate, based on the challenge, and they'll get um, just a hint of that beforehand whether they should join. Normally, we might get about forty to fifty SMEs on that webinar. So that's kind of the first step. Then moving on, the uh, SMEs can send in a submission. So if they see that their solution will meet the needs of the corporate, they will be able to send in a one-page submission document outlining a little bit about their business, but especially how they can, you know, address that particular challenge. If they're successful um, in moving to the next stage, and, you know, that's a pitching stage. And through this, the Innovation Exchange team work with the corporate in, I suppose, assessing those submissions, assessing those pitches to see, you know, is this the right fit between the corporate and the SME? so moving on from that if this is a success then you know they will move on to a deeper engagement and hopefully you know one or two of those SMEs will get a deal out of it and that's where they want to go
4: that sounds to me like somebody goes into a very good tailor and they come out with a very fine fitting suit by the time they're finished their business is completely fit for purpose
7: Exactly. So this is very much, as I mentioned, this is a curated service offering. So both the corporate and the SME are matched so that, you know, it it is the right um, match. There are the right match for each other. So, yeah.
4: And if somebody's sitting at home or coming along here today, you know, how can they contact you or how can they contact the hub to get involved?
7: Yes, so um, we're absolutely delighted to be here today at the mill in Drogheda. They are our fifth regional partner. We have partners all over the country in, in Cork, Dublin, Kerry, Galway. And now we have uh, the Northeast. So it's, it's super to work with Ronan and the, the team at the mill. So contact the mill in Drogheda. The website for the Innovation Exchange is the innovationexchange.ie also.
4: Sinead O'Riordan, it's been very informative. I can see why you're Head of Channel Partnerships. Thank you very much and it's been enlightening talking to you.
7: Thank you for having me. Barbara, we'll be back to you with more of the same.
1: you're uh, we- welcome back. Barbara Scully here with you. Now, if you're in the market for a new job, you should know that there is a jobs fair being held by PCI Pharma Services this very afternoon at the Gateway Hotel in Dundalk, formerly the Crown Plaza Hotel. And that's going on from 2pm until 6pm this evening. They have vacancies across all departments, engineering, maintenance, electrical, production and lots more. So that's in the Gateway Hotel in Dundalk right now until 6 o'clock this evening. Now, the theme tune, not surprisingly, many of you knew what the uh, theme tune that we played earlier was. And it was the theme to, well, there was two answers to Strictly Come Dancing, as it is known on uh, the BBC, or Dancing with the Stars, which I believe will be back in January. Ray, can't wait. Um, but we have one winner and our winner today is Rosie O'Farrell. And Rosie, we will be in touch with you a little bit later to organise uh, a wee present for you. Now, uh, it's time to go back to Pat at the Mill. Hi, Pat.
4: Hi, very welcome back, Barbara. Uh, Sun still shining. I have to say, glorious, glorious day here at the Mill Enterprise Hub for the Innovation Exchange day. I'm delighted to be joined now by the Chief Strategy Officer, Mark Jordan. He's from Skillnet Ireland. I suppose, Mark, the obvious question is, what's your involvement here today?
8: Well, Skillnet Ireland are. Uh government agency. We're an agency of the government of Ireland. We're focused on workforce development and the innovation exchange is one of our strategic programs that we run um, to engage SMEs with the multinationals and large corporates in Ireland to, to develop a framework for them to collaborate. And it's part of our strategic mission that we enable the success of SMEs and open that pipeline to, to allow them to collaborate more effectively, especially around commercial deals. So we, we find this, we're very proud to be involved in this initiative and we're delighted to be able to support, the especially the expansion of regional um, hubs running the programme.
4: And I think the fact that the Minister's coming along here today underscores that.
8: It definitely does and I think you can see by the ministerial presence that it's been recognized as a strategic initiative. It's run now in a number of different regional hubs nationally. We're engaging with a lot of SMEs across various different industry sectors and a lot of corporates, again, supporting areas such as digitalization, sustainability and big data. Um, and, and we're seeing more and more uh, collaboration and more and more companies being attractive to the Innovation Exchange Initiative.
4: And I was talking to Sinead Reardon there earlier. She's the head of Channel Partnership. Um it's it's a very exciting challenge when you introduce uh, you know SMEs to big corporates, you know, um, and the fact that you're the body challenged with the delivering that it's a big
8: task. It is, and I and I think historically it's always been uh, an area where there's been a gap. SMEs have historically struggled to get their propositions. Into the hands of the larger companies, and conversely, the larger companies have struggled to navigate through the 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 number of domain experts that can help them solve problems. So, this is the bringing together of the two different entities, the the buy side and the sell side, if you will, uh, to collaborate and engage together, and it opens up that pipeline, which has always been needed, and 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 certainly serves as a major solution around some of the industry challenges, especially with. The large companies that are looking to innovate and automate.
4: For you, as the chief strategy officer, I'm sure you've had some nice personal satisfaction in seeing an SME coming along as an acorn and grown into that oak tree that has amalgamated to take on the work of a corporate.
8: Yes, indeed. I mean, we we support nationally around twenty five thousand companies each year in terms of developing their internal talent capabilities and. Supporting leadership and the wider workforce throughout so the vast majority of those are SMEs across all business sectors and we like it's great to see the the tangible results of developing talent and what it means to the commercial success and scalability of the business.
4: Well, look, well done to all. I'll let you get back inside. I don't want you to miss the party in there. Uh, Mark Jordan, Chief Strategy Officer with Scaltern at Ireland. Thank you very much for talking to me today. And Barbara, we'll be back to you later on in the day uh, for a wrap-up and some more people to talk to. But for now, we'll say Bye-bye.
1: Back now, we're going to cross uh, back over to the mill and Drogheda and our Pass.
4: Hi, you're very welcome along for the last time today. Barbara, I've had a lovely, lovely afternoon here and the sun has come out to greet everybody as well, which is always nice in the middle of September. But at the middle, it's especially nice. You hear that long process that people have to go through to make their business fit for purpose um, because of the innovation exchange. Somebody who did just that and is working away here at the Hub is Ashley Connors. Her companies that she works with is Tech Enable. Ashley, you're very welcome along. Um, it's been a journey and you're... I've enjoyed what has happened so far I'm quite sure.
9: Absolutely great day here today at the mill in Drahada. So I work for a company called Tech Enable and we've been through the innovation exchange program. What our company does is we're a software services company so we're experts in digital transformation and we help our customers to really you know tap into that growth and scale. So we do that by using low-code solutions um, and also by using
4: and in layman's terms, sorry for coming across there. Low code solutions. So let's say somebody like me who's a bit of a luddite and I'm not quite sure what I should be doing. You come along and say, "Look, Pat, this is the direction you need to go. We have a tailor made solution for you." Is that what it is?
9: That's it. Yeah. So low code really means faster. You know, you can get something scaled up much quicker than your traditional systems. So I guess what we do is we have sustainability. Um, solutions so that's what we've been working with the Innovation Exchange on and sustainability sustainability is new for everyone it's a Mm -hmm. journey Mm -hmm. all organisations have this new challenge ahead of them with new regulations Mm -hmm. coming down the line and we have some really great solutions in Tech Enable that can help with that
4: I would say that that's a very along with it being a new business that's gone through this journey I'd say it's a very exciting challenge and a lovely industry to be involved in
9: absolutely um, if, I, if I take it back to the actual program that we've gone mm. through, so the Innovation Exchange has allowed us to tap into an incredible ecosystem of both corporates and SMEs. So we've got great visibility in front of really important um, you know, businesses out there with challenges and sustainability, and it's allowed us to present solutions to them.
4: And when you're in the shop window like that and these big corporates come along and you suddenly find out oh my goodness they're interested in me this is our company this is tech enable you, you you do feel like you're going somewhere
9: absolutely and the innovation exchange has really helped through the process so right back to when we started the program they've been fantastic in terms of when we are getting together proposals for these corporates they they're you know they're fantastic when they give us constructive feedback when it comes to actually presenting they'll take the time to sit with us so that we can present our best case to these corporates it's been a great a great Uh, program and
4: crucially avoid the pitfalls
9: exactly to avoid the pitfalls
4: for somebody sitting at home now having a weak cup of tea and their ears have pricked up listening to this you know what would you say to them now that you've been on that journey
9: yeah I'd say two things to be honest now so If you are an organisation who has solutions um, to to join up with the Innovation Exchange Programme, it's been fantastic for us and we're excited for the new opportunities that are coming our way. But I suppose if you are an organisation who's a corporate, who has challenges, um, I'd also, so I've been on the other end, I've been in an internal sustainability team
4: in a large corporate company. Oh, so you've seen it. Both sides of the fence.
9: Exactly.
4: Wow. And That's a different prism to look at it, isn't it, really, when you see that? Yeah.
9: Exactly. And when you do have a challenge in your company, there's so many solutions out there. And what the Innovation Exchange does really well is they do a lot of work behind the scenes to put the right people in front of the right.
4: The right people. Yeah. For the fit. Exactly. Well, look, I wish you well uh, in Tech Enable and I'll let you get back in because they're mingling in there without you and we don't want you to miss another part of that day. Barbara, it's been a wonderful day. Um, That was Ashley Connor from Tech Enable and you can hear the excitement and and also that still little bit of trepidation where they're on a journey with the companies and if that's something that interests you out there, the mill, the hub, innovation, exchange, it's all there for you. But for me, for the last time today, from the hub, I'm going to say to you in the studio, I'm going back out to the sun. Bye-bye. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks very much, Pat. Enjoy the sunshine there. That was great reporting from the mill. And that's it for today. And that's it for me for this week. Thank you so much for listening and sticking with me this week. Your beloved Jerry will be back on Monday. I want to especially thank Louise, who produces this lovely show, and everybody here at LMFM. They're a very friendly bunch to a blow-in who's here just for a few days. Um, Don't go away. Eddie's coming up next. Uh, but have a lovely weekend and I'll talk to you the next time.
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more